Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. What's cracking? Welcome to the Daily Jungle. A ton of show to get to, so let's get right at it. Chauncey Billups turned down Dan Gilbert's offer to run the Cavaliers. And now we find out why Gilbert went straight cheapskate. And it's not the first time he's done that. Plus, Tom Brady added... Plus, Tom Brady added yet another notch to his belt. Super Bowl winner, supermodel marrier, and now soon to be best-selling author. The TB12 Method already pre-ordered. And a couple of nice guests. We had LA Rams wide receiver Robert Woods talking about what it's like to come back home and ball. And Atlanta Hawks first-round pick John Collins was tremendous. Alvy, they know what it is, so let's give it to them right now. We started the Cavaliers this morning. When the Cleveland Cavaliers parted ways with general manager David Griffin back on June 19th, it seemed pretty strange. In fact, it was really strange. You consider the guy made the moves that led you to three straight finals and your first NBA title in franchise history. So why would you not do everything possible to keep that guy around? But then Chauncey Billups' name merged as a candidate for that gig. And then he had a sense that maybe Dan Gilbert had a little something up his sleeve. When Chauncey Billups withdrew his name then from consideration on July 3rd, now that was really strange. Considering he was the guy who had been the favorite to get that job, seemingly the only candidate for that job. And when you couple that with the fact that it's a critical time of the year and you want to have somebody in place to show that there is stability, Somebody in place to attract free agents and begin the process of doing whatever it takes to keep LeBron in Cleveland. Why wouldn't you do everything possible to bring Billups on board if you ran David Griffin out? But then there were reports last night and there was a sense that Dan Gilbert did in fact have something up his sleeve. Because according to Chris Haynes and Mark Spears, that's something that was up Gilbert's sleeve was a ridiculously low ball offer to Billups. According to their report, the Cavaliers offered him $2 million a year, which is pretty much half what most guys in that job get. And that was after they opened up with an offer of $1.5 mil. They started reportedly at $1.5 mil. I mean, wait, what? That's the guy you targeted for that job, a potential rising star in that business, and you lowball him. Actually, you don't even lowball him. You barely make him an offer. Why stop at offering him less than half the market value, half the market rate? Why not just call it an internship and see if he'll do it for college credit and free snacks in the break room? I mean, that's insulting. And nobody with any self-respect is going to accept that gig. Yeah, and before you say, hey, Rome, hey, Rome, I'd happily do that job for one and a half mil. Yeah, I'm sure you would, but that's not the point. You're not qualified to do that gig, but you are qualified to do yours. So ask yourself this instead. Would you happily do your job for less than half what everybody else is getting to do the same job? Hell no. And yes, I'm also aware of the fact that Billups had never been a GM or president of basketball operations before, but neither has Rob Palenka. And reports suggest that he's getting in the neighborhood of five mil a year from the Lakers. Hell, Phil Jackson was being paid more than double that, 12 mil a year. And to do what? Burn MSG to the ground, thumb out dumb tweets, fall asleep in workouts, and make the Knicks an international laughing stock. In fact, he's still being paid that amount. 
not to work. And there's Dan Gilbert, who is sitting on a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with LeBron James. And he wants to lowball his front office candidates. I mean, brilliant. Freaking brilliant. The reason why the Cavs had that championship is because of the luck that LeBron was born in Akron and not Tucson or Denver or San Jose. The reason they have that title is because David Griffin made a number of smart moves and Ty Lue coached his ass off. Dan Gilbert simply signed checks, and apparently pretty small ones at that, to the guys in the front office. I mean, why don't you just pack up LeBron's stuff for him right now and print off an itinerary for his free agent visits next season while you're at it? Because LeBron wants more than one ring in Cleveland, and nothing says we're happy with one ring in Cleveland more than dumping a great GM because he didn't want to be paid well below market value and then offering his replacement an even crappier deal. So bottom line is this. What kind of a message does that send about Gilbert's willingness to compete? and his desire to win. If there's already a risk that LeBron might leave, who's going to want that gig if they know they'll be underpaid and they'll probably get blamed when LeBron does walk? Now, for his part, Chauncey was taking the high road. He told the undefeated, quote, first and foremost, my family was 100% behind me taking the job. It didn't come down to that at all. At the end of the day, after carefully looking at the entire situation, I just felt it wasn't the time. It's that simple. I've got a ton of respect for Dan and the Cavs organization, but now just wasn't the time. These kinds of decisions go down to a gut thing and my spirit. It just wasn't time. End quote. Hell no, it wasn't time. Not if the guy cutting your check didn't want to cut you a check. There will be other opportunities for billups. There's no need to settle. Although it's insane to think that Gilbert has mismanaged this to the point that being president of basketball ops for a three-time Eastern Conference champion and a team led by LeBron is settling. But the fact is, it is. Because that's the vibe that Gilbert is putting out there. You can't tell me LeBron has not been taking mental notes since the end of the season. Watching what his team is doing and what every other contending team is doing and that he isn't starting to think about other places to play. You can't tell me he's not. And I don't blame him one bit if he is. Robert Woods. For those who don't know Robert, you, of course, were born in Carson. You went to high school in Gardena, and you played your college ball at USC. So how does it feel to be back in SoCal as a member of the L.A. Rams? Uh, man, it's so great to be back. Uh, you know, putting in, the, putting in work again, you know, where I always did. And, um, you know, it's, it's good. I play high school ball here, college ball here. And uh, it's only right to come here and, and do it again, play at the NFL level. You know, so many athletes, Robert, want to come back home and never get the chance. So when you were a free agent and the opportunity came up to join the Rams, was it a difficult decision and did you have to factor everything in or was it almost instantaneous? Uh, a, a little bit of both. You know, I had to, you know, play it calm and just, you know, can't, couldn't jump on, you know, the, the first team, even though it was my home team. But I also just uh, felt like, you know, like, nah, that can't happen. Like, out of all places my home team is going to give me, you know, I just think, like you said, how many players have the opportunity to, to play in their hometown? I just didn't think it would. It was really possible, and it did happen. We're talking to Robert Woods. So that factors in, obviously, and then probably the next thing you think about is, all right, so who's going to throw the football to me? You talked about the fact that one of the things they did sell you on this is the chance to play with Jared Goff. Rookie seasons can be tough for quarterbacks. So what did you see in his first season that made you feel like he'd be somebody you want to play with? Uh, I watched him I watched him in college first off, you know, being at USC and seeing him at uh at Cal and then um 
just seeing the potential, you know, he he's the number one pick for for a reason. You know, he definitely has the ability to to be the top quarterback, one of the elite quarterbacks in the game. And uh, I mean, he's just young. You know, he's he's developing. He has the great uh, coaches now with Sean McVay, Matt Lafleur coming over, and they've been with some great quarterbacks. So it was only right for me to you know to trust Jared and come over and be around. We're talking to Rams wide receiver Robert Woods. So you made it pretty clear how you feel about him. This is what he had to say about you. He said you're, quote, a pro's pro. And your receivers coach, Eric Yarber, said, quote, he sets an example for the room on how to be a pro. Listen, Robert, you're still just 25. So where did you learn what it took to be a professional? I mean, was that something you learned from teammates in Buffalo, or is that something you pretty much always had? Uh... I just, I don't know. I felt like it always just was something I had, you know, a way to just um, go out there and just do my job and compete. You know, I always was surrounded by a lot of talented players um, throughout Pop Warner, high school, college. And then so that is, I just always been having to work, you know, having to keep the spot, having to uh, always outwork and just, you know, do my job correctly. You look back, Robert, your time in Buffalo was interesting in the sense that you played with a number of different quarterbacks in an offense that seemed like it was a run-first offense, and as a result, your numbers might not have been what you wanted them to be or what they could have been. So in coming back to L.A., do you feel like you got a chance to prove to everybody that you were legitimate number one in that league? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when I, I go out there and I compete, you know, day day in and day out every game, and um I just I just go out there and just try to do my job. The ball comes my way. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, all I can do is control what I can. And, um, and you know, I had opportunities in Buffalo. I have more opportunities here, you know, coming over to be the number one receiver. We've got an offense where we're trying to throw the ball more. We do have an excellent back. But, um, you know, part of the reason why I came here is because of the, the coaches, again, going back to where they come from, Atlanta and the Redskins, both top in the NFL and passing. Uh, attempts and yards so that was another reason why I thought to come here and be with these coaches as well as Jared. Clones can I take one moment because I need to talk to you about stamps.com. Stamps.com saves you time and money which you can use to grow your business. I can mail any letter any package using just my computer and printer and the mailman picks it right up. I can avoid the hassle of the post office and mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic or international. Stamps.com makes it so easy. They'll send you a digital scale, automatically calculates exact postage. Stamps.com. We will help you decide the very best class of mail based on your needs. There is no need to lease an expensive postage meter. Don't do that. I use Stamps.com because I'm never going to the post office again, ever. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the very top of the homepage, type in Rome. Stamps.com, enter Rome. Stamps.com, never go to the post office ever again. That's Stamps.com. Now it's back to our daily jungle. Now, we talked about you growing up in Southern California. When you grew up here, though, there was not an NFL team. So you and your dad were Oakland Raider fans. What made you pick the yeah. Raiders, and which Raiders did you like when you were growing up? Oh, um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, you, you admire your dad. You watch, watch what he watches and watch the teams. And um, I, I, I like watching the Raiders. Uh, I forget who was in the backfield. I know I remember Vargas was in the backfield, but uh, Rich Gannon, uh, Tim Brown, um, Jerry Rice, old Jerry Rice. Those were uh, the Raiders I was watching. 
Who like maybe maybe Charlie Garner? Yeah, I think Charlie Garner was even in there as well. There you go in the backfield. All right, so now the Chargers are also moving up the freeway this year. They're starting out in Carson. From a Rams perspective, is there any pressure to show up and deliver on the field to establish LA as a Rams town? Yeah, I think so. This is this is the first year. Um, I think it's already a Rams town, first off. But this is the first year another team um, is coming to LA. You know, back to back year. So I think it is a little fresh for some new upcoming fans. Um, to pick a team, but I mean, you got to win. You got to, people love winning. You got to come out here and win and dominate and, uh, and get to the playoffs. People want to see competitive games. And I think the Rams, we, I think we bring that. Let me go back to Tom Brady for a minute. Because once you get outside New England, I mean, folks hate Tom Brady because folks hate the Patriots. They hate them because they're good, they're successful. Folks, I'm not saying me, but folks think they cheat. People hate this guy. So here's my question, and I'm going to lay this out in a minute. Can you put that aside for a minute? I mean, like, somehow this guy's personally wronged you. It got so personal. Can you put that aside for a minute? And are you not at least curious how this guy has been able to do what he's done? That he gets better as he gets older. No professional athlete, because Father Time is undefeated, has any business playing the way he is at that age. Are you not at least the least bit curious how this guy does it? What his process is? What makes this guy go? Or do you hate this guy so much that you've got no interest in that book and you would never give him any money? So if you already have an answer to that question, call me right now. Let me give you my thoughts on this, and we'll see if that changes anything for you. Although I'm guessing it won't. I think the line's pretty much drawn in the sand. You hate this guy, you love this guy. You hate this guy's guts, you think he's a cheater, and you would never give him any of your money. Or you're pretty amazed by what this guy's done. Like I said, go ahead and add another notch to his belt. We know what he's done already. Arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. A supermodel marrying guy. I mean, as successful as he is, he's still not even as successful as his wife is. And now he's going to be a, a best-selling author because he spent his offseason penning his first book. Well, his first book that's not a $200 cookbook. And come September, you too can own the TB12 Method. How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance. Just run with the first part of that, clones. All of you who hate this guy, go ahead and tell me what you think the TB12 method is. I don't know. Listen, as somebody who wants to stay sharp, I'm kind of curious about how you achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance. I mean, I'm older than that guy. I'd like to know how he does it. Simon & Schuster is going to publish this manifesto. And now we're going to get, quote, according to them, quote, a step-by-step guide to his personal practice, covering everything from, quote, strength training, hydration, nutrition, cognitive fitness. I love that. Cognitive fitness. And other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying and extending performance as well as quality of life. All right, see if we can't help play quarterback. If we can't all play quarterback or play in the NFL, the one thing we all can play is the game of life. And don't we all want to extend the quality of life? So first things first, let me ask, what the hell is going on in New England? First, it's the hoodie who spent the offseason turning his life into a press junket. And now it's TB12. Both of these guys used to protect their process. You know, you can trust the process, but these guys are more of a case of protect the process. Don't let anybody know what the process is. Because they would protect it like it was the secret sauce. Yet now, 
They're out there flaunting it like some open source life hack. And now they're out there making it available to the masses, letting everybody in. At least Brady is letting you see what's behind the curtain and seemingly, weirdly, paying it forward to the rest of the world after crawling out of that 28-3 hole against Atlanta and winning another Lombardi. I mean, are you the least bit curious how this guy does what he does? You know what? I am. I'll admit it. I'm down. In fact, count me in. In fact, I've already ordered the book, pre-ordered the book, because any dude, again, who is better at 39 than he was at 22 is a guy that I'm interested in knowing more about. Any dude who can cut an immaculate football field out of the side of a Montana mountain on his big guy, big sky estate, where he's running pass routes with Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola over the long holiday weekend, is a guy worth listening to. And listen to me on this, I've been on that mountain. I know that mountain. I know that mountain well. Trust me, that's the life we all want. And if it's going to cost me 20 plus bucks to get maybe a nugget or more to get a piece of that mountain, I might do it. In fact, I will do it. I've already done it. The guy's got my money already and the book hasn't even dropped. So as we approach another football season, what are we supposed to expect from the Patriots? We already know the product on the field is going to be elite, but the hood has said more in the last four months than he has in the past two decades. TB12 just dropped the self-help book of all self-help books on us. And now you've got a Pats team that used to relish its reputation as Fort Knox. Its use of the dark arts. Its war with Raj. Now they're all but giving away their secrets. And, back to my original point. While you may hate the Pats, while you may hate the hood, while you may hate everything about TB12, while you may hate any book that is trying to give you life secrets, be honest. Aren't you going to buy it? Don't you want to know? Aren't you curious? I am. I pre-ordered. They've already got my money. So you can hate this guy all you want. But don't you want to know what he knows? I do. I want to know, do you remember what that guy looked like at the Combine? When he ran like that 14-second 40? All soft and flabby? How did that guy with that dorm bod become the guy? <laughs> I'm curious. Aren't you? At Pauly T. Wallace in on Twitter. Jim, I received an advanced copy of Brady's cliche book. Here's a taste. One, be first in, last out. Two, outwork the other guy. Three, work hard. Yeah, maybe. And don't forget, don't eat tomatoes. Go to bed early. Work hard. I don't know, there's got to be more to it than that. I think, I hope, then I'll be pissed. Come on, Tom, let us in. I I think the reason he's going to give you a little bit more than be first in, last out, outwork the next guy, work hard. I think the reason he's going to give you more than that is because the guy cares about his brand. His business, primary business is football, But his next business, and especially after football, is going to be primarily this brand. Brand of peak performance. Brand of achievement. Brand of self-mastery. This is what he's selling. He's setting it all up like that. He's already got the pajamas, remember? The achievement pajamas. So I think that if he wants to build that brand and have a good business within that brand, he's going to have to give us something a little more than first in, last out. Outwork the other guy. Now, I'm not saying that those aren't the most important things because they probably are, but there's got to be more to his secret sauce than that.
This email reads, if Tom Brady's book doesn't help, go ahead and give me a shot. Regards, the vibrating belt that shakes your fat stomach while you watch TV. Steven PHX. What? You mean that doesn't help? Rome. Tom Brady is pretty much like P90X to me. I love him, but I hate it. I hate it, but I love it. In Maine. Hmm. You think you know what you're going to get from Maine, right? Maybe not. Let's find out. Eric, good morning. What's up? Fine. Thanks so much for the gym. I greatly appreciate it. Um, And the karma is clearly real, by the way. Um, Hoping that the first call of the day will set the tone for the rest of the show like it usually tends to do. Uh, Save you 20 bucks, Jim. Honestly, I, too, have an advanced copy. And uh, this is a spoiler alert to all you listeners out there. I don't want to ruin it, but here's the book in its entirety. Once upon a time... I cheated always. The end. I mean, seriously, dude, you want to know Brady's secrets, his, his process, if you will? I don't know. How about broken headsets, stolen playbooks, deflate gate, buy gate, um, craft cash, making it so there hasn't been a, zero, a significant penalty called against New England since uh, Chumble won but top of the charts. Give me a break. Broadway plays are less scripted than Patriots home games. I think you know that. War fake silk by... Rack him. Even if he wore the fake silk... I saw somebody from Maine saying, hey, spoiler alert, I've already got the book, I can let you know, the guy's cheated always, the end. So that's his secret, that's how he does it, he just cheats? Let's go to the Bay Area, Mike. Nice to have you, Mike, how are you? I'm great, Jim, and I, I appreciate the call, and, and a huge fan, but th- this, this thing goes beyond sports. This is where I'm, I'm having a problem with, with the clones. They're, they're, they're piling on the Patriots and, and Tom Brady, but it's not them and it's not him he's trying to push human health and human decency and it's not about just you know how long can i play football it's about how long can you live and how long can you live a healthy life and how long can you be a decent human being this is beyond that and i mean i'll take you know i'll take full responsibility i'm a patriot fan but it's not about that i mean he's pushing the fact that guys if i give you a golden ticket to live longer and live healthier here it is, and it's free. I mean, yeah, okay, you're going to pay 20 bucks or whatever for a book, but ultimately the, the process is free. All you have to do is do these certain steps, and you can live longer, healthier, and that's all this is about is being a decent human being. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that's hopefully what we're all about. And, uh, you know, I love sports. I love sports radio, but if sports went away today, I'd still be a happy person. I'd still be a healthy person. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be enjoy as much because I love sports. I love watching football and baseball. But at the end of the day, guys, this is about being a better human being. All right, Mike, I appreciate that thought. We're joined by Hawks forward John Collins. So bring me up to date. It's been a couple of weeks since you were drafted. You signed your contract. And now Summer League is about to get underway. What have the last few weeks been like for you? Uh, last week, excuse me, the last two weeks have been um, pretty eventful, man. Obviously, a, a dream come true. And, you know, I'm trying to settle into the pro 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 lifestyle and pro mentality, um, you know, this just been the biggest thing for me, just adjusting. We're talking to John Collins. You know, I was watching you at the introductory press conference and you were holding up a jersey with the number zero on it, but then you said that you were going <laughs> to wear number twenty, which you wore in college, and that your mother had weighed in on that decision. What was her message <laughs> to you about that number? Um, it's my it's my grandfather's uh birthday. So um that you know, later on my grandfather who passed when I was, you know, really really young. Um you know, I wanted it to be zero, but and then I was thinking about it, and you know, I just decided to keep keep the two zero um, from college, and um, 
That was it. Nothing, nothing really too crazy. That was just the really meaning behind it. It's a good move. Now, I mentioned your mother. Give me an idea. What kind of a role has your mother played in you becoming the person that you are today? And what have you learned from her? Huge role, man. Um, obviously, I think the biggest thing I took from mom was that mental strength. Obviously, she's a, um, a single mom. Uh, obviously, she was also in the Air Force for 20-plus years. So for her to um, you know, simultaneously serve our country and then raise me uh, by herself is you know, a, a feat you know, of her own. So, you know, that, that right there just shows you the strength and, um, and, and mental toughness she has, and I think that's something that rubbed off on me. Atlanta Hawks forward John Collins joining us. You know, we're trying to get a sense of a young person who's come a long way pretty quickly. So in addition to her, there was another person who played a huge role, and that was one of your early coaches, Roy. Now, this is a guy who absolutely hated to lose. I mean, you've talked about how you don't like to lose. Nobody likes to lose, but this guy truly hated it. What did you take from him in terms of competitiveness? Um, that, that dude right there just, you know, you know, we would play one-on-one and, you know, the type of thing where we, he'd never give me anything. He'd always make me earn everything. Um, and I think that kind of built my competitive edge um, from a young age that, you know, obviously, like I said, never, every, no one likes to lose at all, but uh, there's a certain level of competitiveness uh, that he, he instilled in me from a young age that kind of put that fire in me and gave me the ability to compete the way I do. Las Vegas Summer League is firing up. The Hawks are at the Nets tomorrow night, 8 p.m. John Collins joining us. And John, I mentioned you came a long way in a relatively short period of time. As an example, you were a three-star recruit going into college, and then you averaged mm-hmm. seven points and four rebounds as a freshman. So coming into this season, what kind of thoughts were you having about the NBA? In other words, did you know you'd be leaving to enter the NBA draft after your sophomore year? Uh, you know, for me, coming into college, like you said, I uh, wasn't really one of those highly recruited guys, but obviously the goal was always to get to to the next level to get to the NBA. Uh, my thing was, regardless of how long it took, whether it be one year or four years, um, I was my goal was to get to the NBA. So, um, you know, I, whenever it came, it came. Um, and, you know, I was blessed enough that it came my sophomore year. So, um, you know, I wasn't really thinking about uh, this year. I'm, I'm, you know, it wasn't for me about my sophomore years. I'm going. You know, so whenever it happened, whenever the time was right, I thought the time was right my sophomore year. So that's when I made the jump. All right, now talk about Wake Forest, and what was it like playing for Danny Manning at Wake Forest? That dude's a legend in his own right. Obviously, um, you know, the biggest thing, you know, he was the reason I, I committed to Wake. Um, you know, just the, the, the things I could learn from him. Obviously, he's played my position, number one overall draft pick, and he had a really, really successful NBA career. So, you know, he's like a big book of information I can just go to. He, everything I've done or want to do, he's he's done it, so. Um, that experience right there is nothing much more you could ask for from a coach, um, especially basketball and off the court. We're talking to John Collins. I was going to say, John, there's also a story that Manning would tell your teammates that you got to foul the hell out of me in practice. That was the quote, foul the hell out of me in practice. What was it like to go through that in practice, and then how would that help you prepare for games? Um, like I said, he knows, he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, you know, it, was, it was more for me just to build that mental toughness um, it's part of the way I play the way I do is because in practice it, it would literally be an all-out brawl. So when I got into the game, it, you know, when I looked like I was overpowering people or just being super aggressive, um, it was just the way I had to play to, to earn my minutes. And it was kind of the same way my freshman year, especially, you know, because I didn't get on the court as much as I did my sophomore year. So two years of going through that just gave me that aggressiveness that was much needed. Like I said, Coach Man knows exactly what he's doing when he's uh, developing big guys such as himself. Yeah, John, obviously you made a huge jump from your freshman year to your sophomore year, but then NBA teams started to really take notice of you, and then you decided to enter the draft. And then during workouts, you really turned heads with your game. 
What were those workouts like for you? And did you feel like you had a chance to show some teams some of the things that maybe you had not yet had the chance to show in college? Yeah, I think it was, you know, what people would try to say, Coach Manning didn't let me do anything at Wake. That wasn't the case. You know, Coach Manning gave me a role, gave me a task, and I was to go dominate the paint. I think I did that um, to the best of my ability. Um, obviously, there's always stuff that certain players are, aren't going to be able to show. And I think that's for me, is, you know, just expanding my game away from the rim. And I think that was one of the big things that turned a lot of heads when you know, I went to work out with teams. Is that, you know, they only saw me um, I'm playing the post and that I did have a little bit more outside of it. So, um, you know, it's something I've always had. And like, it's, like you said, it's something I, I need to show and want to show, especially the way the game's going, the way it needs to be um, played, it's, the versatility. So um, definitely something I'm still working on as well. Now, since you've been drafted, Paul Millsap left the team. He signed with the Nuggets. He's a free agent. The thought there is that it's going to free up some minutes for you. So what was your reaction when you saw that move? Um, obviously, it was, it was a mixed reaction. Obviously, um, you know, I see it as an opportunity for myself, but then I also see it as a lost opportunity to learn a lot of things from a guy like Paul. Obviously, he's, again, played my position. He's that, that versatile type of forward that the NBA um, likes, you know, to shoot threes, be able to make plays and score in, in and outside the post. So, um, like I said, it was a little bit of mixed reaction, but obviously another opportunity for myself to um, step in and make an impact. Now, the other day, you went around the team's offices and you were pushing the smile cart. The smile cart is loaded down with snacks like granola <laughs> oh, bars, cheese its and other things. Bring this up, man. I like it, man. I like it. So <laughs> if you're going to give yourself a cheat meal or a cheat snack, what's your go-to Jeez. snack? Um, probably going to be, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big seafood guy, so it's probably going to be some fried catfish and shrimp, um, some french fries. There's a nice spot down back home in West Palm Beach called uh, Hooks. Shout out to Hooks. You gotta give them a big shout out. That's my that's my spot right there. So that'd probably be my cheat meal: some fried catfish and shrimp, man. I got it. Now, it. I would love a. Uh, there's no uh, cheat cart that's got that though, right? I mean, a smile cart that's got that. Nah, man. There's a smile cart that had that. I'd be all over it right now, man. I'd be rolling that thing every week. Let's try Calgary. Got to go to Canada. Ben in Calgary. Thanks for the wait, Ben. Good to have you. What's up? Hi, Rome. Just want to start off by saying, man, that manual fat alarm you did a couple weeks ago is the best. Uh, I know you'll never do it again, so I'm not going to try and get you to. Um, we were talking about that Tom Brady book. And, I mean, Tom Brady, I mean, you got to give that guy so much respect. I remember that sports science that they did on Drew Brees, and they said, you know, his delivery and everything is just perfect from a you know physics standpoint. And I remember when I finished watching it and just thinking, still, Tom Brady is the best. It just shows you there's something different about this guy. There's something in his mental makeup. I mean, you said he's better than he was when he was 22. He's better than anybody's ever been when they're 22. And some people might say because they're haters that they're not going to buy the book, but you know you're going to find them in the library scanning through the pages trying to find the secret because we all want to know how to be the greatest at what we do. And that's what Tom Brady is. He's the greatest, and that's why people hate him. And speaking of hate, I wanted to crack a little bit on Tyler and Edmonton. A week ago or so, he was calling in talking about how all the Americans are fat and I just wanted to say, I know you watched the hockey playoffs, Rome, and I cannot, you could not have missed that fat sweat hog that was flipping the double bird to the Anaheim Ducks as they got eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, good luck, Edmonton. Looks like you're shedding the pounds. And why do I crack on Edmonton? Because they're all living up there when they could be living in one of the top ten cities in the world. That's only about two hours south. War, the Battle of Alberta, making its way to the jungle. I'm out, Rome. Thank you so much for the vine. Canadian on Canadian crime. That's Ben in Calgary. Rack him, Alvy. Rack him! Yeah! And that if you don't get racked today, you're not going to be in?
I'm saying that if you don't get racked today, you're probably not going to be in. You've had your shots. Let's see how it goes. We go to Fort Collins. Luke, what's up? Hey, Romy. Thanks for the vine. You know, so far it's been a pretty fun year in the jungle, but I'm a little concerned for your affiliates out in Buffalo. I called back in February and annihilated Rick, and we only just now heard a response from him like this last week. So something's not right if they're just now hearing my February phone calls in the middle of uh, summer. So, Rick, you may need to head down to your station, buddy, and take it on yourself to have lunch with lunch with lunch with your monkey, monkey, monkey. Maybe that'll turn things around for you guys. Now, on your last call, Rick, you were dumb enough to mention my dad. Let me just tell you, my dad's always going to be proud of me. My dad means it when he tells me I'm the best thing that's ever happened to him. And, Rick, I bet your dad means it when he tells you you're the worst STD that he ever contracted. What are you even going to bring to the smack-off that's new or different anyway? If we want to hear an old guy rant in a raspy voice, we'll just wait for I Afraid to call. And there's really no chance you have at winning the smack-off unless one of the judges from the Pacquiao-Horn fight sits in, but we know that's not going to happen. Now, I speak for a lot of people when I say I really wish Stevie Ray Vaughan had had Rick's luck with helicopters. The world would be a way better place. But... Surviving the Schmacky Schmidl helicopter has now become a favorite bedtime story for Rick's grandkids. Goes a little something like this. Well, it all started when I dialed 1 800 No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Now you're done. Now I'm done. Look, it's not going to happen. You're not a bad dude. You're just not a good caller. Take advantage of the opportunity. There's a loophole. You found your way in. Josh in Detroit. Josh, what's up? <laughs> Romy, thanks for the vine. You know, 4th of July might be here and gone, but let me blow this phone call up. NBA, I don't care if the NBA spreads the talent, the wealth around the league. All it's going to be is a super team-craving, non-entertaining league. And Melo saying he wants to take a buyout to go to the Cavs? I don't think so. Straight garbage. War, smacky chopper. Unwar. A sweaty nerd playing Tetris in my mama's house. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. You know, think about that call. I'm not even kidding you. I think Josh waited on hold two weeks to make that call. And I'm not saying that for effect. I'm not exaggerating. He literally has been on hold every day for two weeks to make that call. That call. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it very much, as always, clones. Trust that podcast and check back tomorrow for even more Daily Jungle. See you then. Change is strong, and you can experience it at Gold's Gym. For a limited time only, join the most supportive and dedicated community in fitness for just $1. Get access to the latest cardio and strength equipment, the best group exercise classes, and expert personal trainers dedicated to your success. A stronger you is waiting at Gold's Gym today. Tap the banner now for a free pass. Offer ends February 29th. Valid with select new memberships at participating locations only. Commitment required. Annual fee and other restrictions may apply.